It's Points North, a show from Interlochen Public Radio, where we hear about life in northern Michigan through the news, the people, and the places. I'm Morgan Springer. And I'm Dan Wanshura. Coming up later on the show today, a U.S. soldier is injured in a training exercise and discharged from the Army, but he finds an unusual way to cope with the depression that follows, beekeeping. I mean, it basically helped me not only deal with mindfulness practice being in the the apiary, but also a lot of the struggles that I was just dealing with personally, like feeling like I had lost that ability to serve. Plus, we're going to taste some butter chicken curry from a restaurant in Traverse City. But first, a Native American tribe in the Upper Peninsula could soon be the first in the state to regulate its own surface water quality. IPR's Kayla Fond reports. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is seeking public comment on the Keweenaw Bay Indian community's application to set its own water quality standards. It's going to allow us to set our own water quality standards for the waters here on the reservation, where right now we follow the standards of of state and federal guidelines. Um, And we will be the first tribe in Michigan that has this authority. That's Stephanie Cree. She's a water resources specialist for the tribe. She says if the tribe's application is approved, it would be able to regulate polluters on or off the reservation if they are affecting waters on the reservation. The tribe wants its standards to be more stringent than the EPA's, but Cree says they would still be reasonable. We have over close to 15 years of water data that we'll look at, you know, from the the waters that we've tested here over, you know, within the past. And so we're going to take all that into account. Evelyn Ravindran directs the Natural Resources Department for the tribe. She says in the short term, the goal is to just keep water quality from deteriorating. Where there is impairments that we see, maybe we see it as more of a long-term goal that that, um, gradually those standards change over time. The tribe wants standards on the reservation to be more protective because its members are more exposed to environmental contamination through fishing, hunting, and gathering practices. Ravindran says they hope to someday be able to set air quality standards as well. This is something our, our air program is working on, is that we're, we're moving towards a redesignation of, of class for here. She says they want air quality on the reservation to be regulated at standards similar to those for a wilderness area. Stephanie Cree says there are other tribes in Wisconsin and Minnesota that have approval to regulate their own water quality. Just after we get approved, I hope that other tribes will follow us. The public comment period for the tribe's application ends May 23rd. For Points North, I'm Kay LaFond. This is Points North. I'm Dan Wanshura. Once veterans leave military service, many struggle to return to civilian life. In this next story, I met a guy who found a way to make that transition a little bit easier. He did it through beekeeping, and now he's training other vets across the nation. His name is Adam Ingrao, and he joined the Army right after 9-11. He was in his early 20s and planned to make it his career. He completed training to be a Patriot missile controller, but then, just before deployment, Adam blew out his ankle in a training accident. It was an injury that could have probably been dealt with in an appropriate manner, but unfortunately was misdiagnosed uh, by the doctors in the Army, and... um, ended up turning into a permanent disability. Adam was devastated. He came from a military family and didn't know what else to do. And so at 25, Adam was discharged from the Army. It went from having, you know, all of my battle buddies to me being back home, living with my parents again, and all my battle buddies are in Iraq and Afghanistan fighting, and that's where I wanted to be too. Depression set in, and Adam struggled to find purpose in life. 
Then, in 2009, he decided to use his GI Bill to go back to school. He went to California Polytechnic State University to study agriculture and plant science. And his first semester there, he took a course in beekeeping. He says that course changed his life. I remember the first day I came home from that, that first beekeeping experience, I was, you know, just ear to ear with, with smiles. And I, I just knew this is what I wanted to do. Adam says it helped him switch from the fast-paced lifestyle of the military to a more normal, mindful pace. You have to slow down because if you don't slow down, the bees are going to let you know you're moving too fast and they're going to sting you. It's a brisk and sunny midweek morning on Traverse City's Old Mission Peninsula. Adam Ingreo is now an agricultural entomologist and veteran liaison at Michigan State University. And right now, he's getting ready to check out some brightly painted beehives. So one of the first things that I always like to do as we're getting in here is just kind of evaluate what's going on in this colony. So this colony made it through the winter, and we'll be uh, likely taking some splits from this colony, which basically means we're going to take this one colony and turn it into a couple of them. We'll do that here in a couple weeks. Adam says when he works with bees, he feels inspired by a sense of mission, similar to how he felt when he was in the military. He needs the bees, and it turns out the bees need him. That's because since the 1950s, the honeybee population in the U.S. has dropped by more than half. That's so low that about 70% of the country's domesticated honeybees get shipped out to California each year just to pollinate the almond crop there. And Dan, I'm going to have you move around this yeah. side. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to start getting a pile of bees hanging out behind you okay. as they're coming in and out of the hive. There are many factors contributing to this, but Adam says the main cause of honeybee decline is pests and pathogens. He says one solution to those problems is beekeepers who are better educated. In 2015, Adam started Heroes to Hives, a program that trains military vets in beekeeping and helps them with personal wellness. I don't know if I would have been as ready to put myself out there and, and start training veterans around this if I didn't have an experience that was just transformative for myself. One of Adam's former students is Kevin Brown. Kevin lives in Marion, Michigan, and completed two tours in the Middle East as a member of the National Guard. After each deployment, he struggled with anxiety and reintegrating into family life. But he says the Heroes to Hives program offers a healing camaraderie with the other vets. You go out to a bee yard and you're focusing on the bees that all of a sudden there might be a conversation strike up and without even you knowing it you are letting a lot of stress go that you didn't know you had. Adam and Grayo says beekeeping is a way for veterans to continue serving their country by being a solution to the honeybee crisis and helping them pollinate our crops. They have the dedication to duty, they have the honor, the selfless service, all of those basic skills that they drill into you in the military. Those are all skills that transfer exactly over to being a beekeeper. Heroes to Hive started with five vets at Adams Farm in Lansing and has now expanded to over 200 vets in 25 states. Adam hopes it'll continue spreading to more states in the future. This is Points North. I'm Morgan Springer. From time to time in the show, we'll introduce you to a dish made in northern Michigan. This next segment is about curry. 
Jen Blakesley is making a butter chicken curry. She's the co-owner and chef of the Cook's House and Milkweed Street Food in Traverse City. So the base of all the curry starts out with the onions and um, we're gonna let them cook nice and slow and they're gonna become this really pretty golden brown and they'll get kind of sweetened up a little bit. Jen's cooking style is deliberate but fluid. I don't really use any measurements for anything. Um, I just kind of eyeball it. She says a good curry is about the process more than anything else. Nice golden brown. Jen minces ginger, garlic, and jalapenos, then adds them to the onions and turns down the heat. She waits a bit before adding the spices and letting them toast in the oil. So see how the spices absorb all of the oil in there? This makes up the base of most curries, Jen says, with tweaks to the spices, depending on what dish you're making. For the butter chicken, she adds cashew butter, lots of tomatoes, water, cream, lemon juice, chicken, and jaggery. It's an unrefined uh, Indian sugar. It has molasses. You taste there's some right here if you want to try it. Oh, yeah. And just take a little bit. Whoa, definitely molasses-y taste. When the curry is almost done, Jen tinkers with the flavor by adding salt and some vinegar, and then we taste. It's so good. It's so good. It's creamy, but not too rich. For anyone who wants to start making curries, Jen recommends the cookbook 660 Curries. And if you want to try and replicate Jen's curry, we've got a list of all the ingredients at our website, pointsnorthradio.org. You're going to be on your own for measurements, though. And that's the show for this week. I'm Dan Wanshura. And I'm Morgan Springer. You can catch Points North Fridays here on IPR News Radio. You can also listen at our website, pointsnorthradio.org, or wherever you get your podcasts.